that was a fast meditation. Oh, I could have kept going. It seemed fast, but it's actually about 25 minutes. <clears throat> we'll read from The Awakened Soul by Cabron. In battling evil, excess is good. For he who is moderate in announcing the truth is presenting half-truth. He conceals the other half out of fear of people's wrath. It was but yesterday I thought myself a fragment quivering without rhythm in the sphere of life. Now I know that I am the sphere, and all life and rhythmic fragments move within me. It's a good little book. So, um, any announcements? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> here you take care of it. I'm just really not together yet. Oh, what do we do? Now? <laughs> oh, wake up! Sounds like the sound of God calling. <laughs> The most recent thing coming up is Laura's Spiritual Tools Workshop. May 7th, is that correct? <laughs> so just another reminder, May 7th, and we'll announce it again. Oh, wait, which day is that? Oh, this Sunday. Oh, okay, that's right. So you're going to be doing it after the class, right, from, from 2 to 6. So next Sunday, after we meet here, um, after lunch and all, Laura will be gathering here again um, to do the Spiritual Tools from 2 to 6. And um, Bill's been putting together um, one of our newer CDs that'll be out here pretty soon. It's called The Spiritual Tools, um, and which Laura's workshop is based upon. Uh, Talk Jim did back in, was it 99 or 98? October, 90, October 99, I think it was, or something like that. There's actually a few classes we did, and we even wrote up, I remember, on here writing down different spiritual tools. But this is the, the first one and the core one. It's really interesting because I was listening to it this last week after Bill um, edited it, and it's really fun for me to hear it because I realized that was the beginning of where our whole LAF acronym came out of, loving, acceptance, forgiveness, because those are the, the key tools that Jim speaks of with, of course, loving being the master tool. And it's fun because in his talk, there's a lot of humor and laughter as well. So here, even acronym LAF, laugh you know, coming in that. And I didn't realize that because it, was, it wasn't until a few years later um, when we were just doing workshops and all that, you know, I just kind of came up with the acronym because it was just really present. But I, after hearing that tape, I realized where that sparked um, that whole movement of the LAF acronym. So it was fun for me to hear that again because all these things we've talked about over and over, but we kind of forget, you know, in that way. And it's kind of it's nice, though, because we always come present. We make it new. We update it. So that way it's always fresh and alive and in the moment and not just something that becomes history from the past or a tradition, but that we always bring it alive and into the moment. I guess I'm moving into a talk a little bit. I guess so. Is there any other announcements before I keep moving into that, or I think that's it for right now? So, you know, that's one of the nice things is that Spirit really is always in the now, in the moment. And when we can always bring ourselves present, to always live in the moment, that's how we move beyond the realm of time and space, is this always come into the now. 
And that's what keeps things fresh. That's what keeps it alive. That's what keeps the river of loving flowing. It's whenever we fall out of that flow, whenever we fall out of the moment, so to speak, by allowing ourselves to get distracted by the realm of time and space, the mind, the emotions, the body, the imagination, that we come into a place of stagnation. We're now we're living in the past. Or if our imagination is trying to picture something in the future, it's the same type of process where, in a sense, we've shut off from living the moment of the flow of God's loving, where we now have placed ourselves sometime in the realm of time. And any time we do that, really, we've just now closed the door to allow that greater movement of loving that truly only exists in the moment, right here, right now, right here, right now, right now, right now. And we can't even call the moment, because even when we use the word moment, it's referring to time. So really, it's just being present. Just being present, aware, and alive to that movement of loving within you at any time, at any moment, however that is, wherever that is, whoever you're with, whatever you're experiencing. It's always simply the inner focus. I always like to call it like an open-eyed meditation. Whenever I walk through the day, doing whatever I'm doing, I'm always holding my attention here at the seat of the soul so that I'm awake and aware to that movement of loving, however it's flowing in the moment. It's always the same movement. It's always the same river of loving. But the expression of that as it comes into this realm of time and space will be whatever it's going to be in the moment. And the more you allow yourself to live in that flow, then life is really a joy to live. And then that creative flow that is truly our nature begins to enliven, begins to wake up, where it begins to take on a greater life within us so that we really live in that greater life. Those are the living waters. That's the divine river of loving. So the more we allow ourselves to move in that river of loving, that river will take us upon our journey of life to experience what our soul has come into this realm to experience. We don't need to force it. We don't need to make it be any certain way. We just simply allow it. We just allow ourselves to awaken to that movement of loving. And we do that simply by holding our focus at the seat of the soul and wake up. Simply pay attention and wake up. And the more we do that, the more we come alive, the more life seems to take on a greater light, a greater blessing, a greater ease. Because truly it does, because in that way we truly are living life and not living the world, not living the body, not living the mind, the emotions, or the imagination, but living life itself, living that river of loving. If you can really get the picture of like a river, if you get in the river, the river will carry you. You don't need to carry yourself. You just need to get in the river. So get in the river and enjoy the ride. The buoyancy, the flotation, the experience, the movement, the freshness, the aliveness, there's always a movement. Sometimes that movement is rapid and waterfalls, and other times that movement is peaceful tranquil, slow, sometimes it's rapid. That's life. Don't try to control it. Don't make any experience wrong or bad that this isn't supposed to happen. This isn't the way it should be. Allow even those moments to be okay because they are part of life. Otherwise, you would not be experiencing them. It's when we move into fear or judgment of our experience that we begin to shut down. And it's in the shutting down 
that we go into despair, into depression, into pain, and all the problems that come with the world because we have shut down within ourselves to that divine movement of that river of loving. It's really a joyous occasion once we begin to awaken, once we begin to once again open that door, stepping into that river of loving and getting upon that journey again. And then life does take on a new light. Even if your physical life doesn't seem to change much, inwardly it will change. You'll experience it, you'll see it in a whole different way. It'll be fresh, it'll be new. Every day is a new day. It'll be alive, it'll be joyful. It'll be a greater ease, even in your challenges. Because the challenges don't go away, but they do become easier when you really live in the loving. You'll see it in a different way. You'll see this is also part of God's creation that we've come into experience. And it's through our experience that we come into the greater knowing. It's when we allow ourselves to get caught up in the illusion and not really trusting, not allowing ourselves to really accept that this is part of life, this is part of God's creation, that we begin to shut off, that we begin to shut down and experience what we call the negative or the bad. So anytime you find yourself moving into the shutting down, the negative, the bad, just remind yourself this too is a part of God's experience. This too is a part of God. And all I need to do is allow myself to move into acceptance. And through that acceptance, that door once again opens within you, this door, where the spirit of life of who you really are once again awakens. And as it awakens, you come into the greater knowing. And the more you live in that greater knowing and the movement of that loving, that loving, just like in the meditation we just did, will come down into and filter through all the realms of illusion, all the despair, the darkness, the negative, what we have judged or feared or doubted. That light of loving will just move right on in, filter through. You'll begin to see and to come awake, to know what the illusion is. Because that's part of the experience here, is to know the illusion. And it's through our experience we come into that knowing. Because who we truly are is that light of loving. And so as that light of loving of who we are moves into and through these realms of illusion, we come into the knowing of the illusion as this aspect of God's creation. That's why we're here. It's simply to get to know God because this is an aspect of God. So when we allow ourselves to experience this aspect of God by truly living that light of loving who we are, we come into the knowing. We come into the greater expansion. And it's through that how we come into the oneness with God in the greater fullness, in the greater awakening, to truly know ourselves as one with God, as one with our Creator, as one who we are as that Creator within us. So live in the moment, live in the now, and simply pay attention to the movement of spirit. Don't be so concerned or caught up into what you think things should be like, what your ideals are, what your expectations, what your own desires are. See if you can begin to let go of those. Let go of the expectations. Let go of the wants, the needs, the concerns, the worries. Let go and see what happens. 
but I would highly suggest in the letting go that you simply bring your attention to the seat of the soul because then when you do that, when you see what happens, it's going to be a much nicer experience than if you let your attention go somewhere else in that way. So it's important to pay attention to that. When you do let go, where do you allow your attention to go? Where do you hold your focus? That's in a very, very important part of this process. It's not just let go. When we say let go and let God, well, we've got to come to God within us if we're really going to let God. And so this is a place by which God comes into our inner experience, into this world, is here. So bring your attention here when you let go. And then you truly can let God, and then it will be all good, no matter what it is. It will be good simply because we are holding our focus on God. So hold your focus on God. Hold it on the good. And you'll really wake up and begin to see the good in all of life, all of experience, even in this physical world, and all the things that seem so unjust, so horrible or terrible, you'll begin to actually see the good because when you allow yourself to awaken to the God within you, you'll begin to see the God within all things. And then life really does take on that freshness, that aliveness of living in the moment by seeing the God within all things, that God has created all things and is simply that divine river of loving of all of creation, not just of who we are, but all of creation and the God within all things. That truly that river of loving is moving through all of God's creation. And we are just a drop in the ocean, a drop in the river. But that river is truly a part of God's ocean because it is that river that brings us to the ocean. That river of loving is the movement of God's consciousness as it comes into the realms of time and space. It is not separate from God. It is not different than the ocean of loving, of in loving and mercy. It is simply an expression of that ocean. If you think of the ocean as this one big body of water and as a river, is a narrowly focused movement of that big body of water, it's still the same. It's still the same. But what we want to do is get upon the river and allow the river to carry us back into the ocean, into the greater fullness, because the river is just a part of that greater fullness. It is the same. Right here, right now, it is that ocean of love and mercy as it moves into and through the realms of the mind, the emotions, the body. But if we bring ourselves into that river, that river will carry us on back into the ocean, into the greater fullness in the experience. That's where we wake up and truly know ourselves in the fullness of the oneness. When we are awake to the river, we may, be, we may not be awake to the fullness, but we are awake to the river. But where we'll be awake is in that place in the river upon whatever level of consciousness that may be, whether that river is in the mind, whether the river is in the emotions, the imagination, the body, the unconscious. As long as we're in that river, it's a joyful ride. It's a wonderful journey. And that's how you come to know God's loving, is right here, even in the body, right at the seat of the soul, because that river is right here.
So get in the river. Get your feet wet. When you feel comfortable, dive in. Do it the way that works for you. Allow it to unfold gradually. Or if you're one of those people that just loves to go ahead and dive in, dive in. Because what's important is your experience. It's only through the doing, only through you allowing yourself to experience that movement of the divine that you will wake up, that you will come into the knowing of what that really is. But before then, you may need to test the waters. You may need to check things out. You may need to study, to listen, to hear. And then when you're ready, you'll be ready. That'll be the day you decide to get your feet wet. You decide to step into that river of loving. And when you have the experience of what that's like, I know you'll want more. And so you get in a little deeper and a little deeper. Allow it to be okay, however that works for you. You don't have to do it the way somebody else is doing it. You really don't. Do it the way that works for you. If you're one of those people like me who just loves to dive in, go dive in. If you want to just do a toe at a time, and a finger, and maybe a foot, do it that way. Don't make your process like somebody else's. Listen. Enjoy other people's processes. Enjoy them sharing their life, their life experience with you. But don't make yours like somebody else's. Allow yours to be yours, however that is. Even when others push against you, trying to make yours like theirs, demanding, expecting, let it be okay. That's just their process. Just love them for who they are and whatever they're sharing. But don't take it on as yours. Don't make it your own. Allow yourself your own. And allow them theirs. If theirs is pushing and demanding, let it be okay. Don't judge them. Don't make them wrong. Love them in their experience. Love them in their process. Allow them the space by which they can learn and grow through their experience. But if you're going to do that for others, then have the loving, the courtesy, the acceptance to allow yourself the same thing. Do the same for yourself. Sometimes we find it easier to do for others, to love others, but yet we may be hard on ourselves. We may not accept or love ourselves in our own process. So begin to find a way to love and accept yourself and your process, however that is unfolding for you. Move into that greater loving. Really move into the acceptance. Whenever you find yourself being hard on yourself or judging yourself, just say, you know what? It's okay that I'm judging myself. Don't even make the judgment wrong. Don't judge the judgment, is the way I used to say. When I used to get into judgment, then I'd judge that I was judging. But then I started at the first step. The first step was, let it be okay that I'm judging. Said, it's okay that I'm judging. This is part of the experience that comes with this realm. So I'm experiencing that. It's okay. Actually, it's good that I'm experiencing that. Because then in that experience is how I will awaken into the greater knowing of what this creation is and what comes with it. And then it really is okay. And then once you move into the okayness, it actually becomes good. You go, oh my gosh, well this is good I'm experiencing these things that I thought were so bad. What was so bad is because I made them wrong. I didn't allow them to be okay. 
that this too is an aspect of God. This is part of God's creation, and I've come here to experience this, to discover the greater beingness that I am. So allow yourself the discovery, and it really does become a joyful journey if you allow yourself the discovery of all of life experience, of all of God's experience. It's really simple. Allow it to be simple. Allow it to be okay. And then in the okayness is where you'll really begin to discover God, because God's okay. There's a title, God is okay. <laughs> okay, and it's on the gym. <laughs> well, one thing that <clears throat> came very present this morning in meditation was a question that was first written by William Shakespeare some 400 years ago. And the question is, to be or not to be? That is the question. And in truth, that is the question that we are all here contemplating in life. To be or not to be. Rumi put it this way. Wake up. Wake up and don't go back to sleep. It's the exact same statement. It's wake up, be, or go back to sleep, not to be. And the question is, what are you choosing to do? Are you choosing to wake up? Are you choosing to be present? Are you choosing to look inward and upward towards the Lord? Or are you choosing to look downward, choosing to go asleep, choosing to be a part of this creation and live in separation from the truth of that beingness that we can wake up into if we choose to? So it was very interesting to hear him stand in my meditation asking to be or not to be? That is the question. And as I began to contemplate that myself and see just how have I lived that statement, that question? How have I pursued the answer? How have I come to live the answer that I have found for myself to be true? It was a very interesting process. One thing I remembered very clearly when I was a child and on into my teens and early 20s, was I never talked about I. I did this, this is who I am. I always referred to myself in the statement of we. We are this, we believe this, this is what we're doing. And the reason I said that in that term was I knew different parts of self. I knew the child within, I knew the conscious self or the active mind at this level. I knew the higher mind, which often people call the high self, and then I knew the soul. And so to me, there was these four qualities of self, and at any given time, one was more predominant than the other. And so when I was living my life, I was living as the we, and then it was up to me to pay attention to which part of that we is now speaking, is now participating, is now awake, is now participating in life and choosing to be the one that's most active and present. And so as I was looking at that in my meditation today, 
I realized that as a child when I would pray to God and I would sit with God and talk with God, I talked from that consciousness of the we. We come before you now, O Lord God, asking for your loving presence to be here. And I never thought about it until just now in my meditation how that must have been if I had ever spoken it out loud and somebody overheard me, nobody else around, but saying, we now come before you. We now open ourselves to you. We now ask of this to you. And it was a very interesting dynamic to realize that there were different times that I was coming more from the child within, asking of God, wanting of God, needing of God, certain things that the child wants. There were certain times where I was coming forward for more of the conscious mind, trying to understand, trying to figure out, wanting it my way, sometimes coming from the high self or the high mind where clarity was more present, more understanding was available, and there was more of an openness and a looking inward and upward towards the Lord rather than down and out into this creation and trying to find resolution and fulfillment. And then there were times where it was my soul that was praying. It was my soul that was speaking to God. It was my soul that was present and alive in that moment. And then it wasn't asking. It wasn't seeking. It wasn't anything other than just being in the loving with the Lord and just sharing my love with God. So as I was looking at this, I realized that even now in my meditations, that in truth, there's the we that is participating. It isn't just I. It is we. And it's for me to ever pay attention to which part of we is most present, most participating in this action of meditation? And is this the action by which I want to move into my meditation? There are times in meditation where you may find that that child in you is truly the predominant force, the predominant focus by which you're living in this moment. And in that moment, there is really the call out to God for help, for assistance, for your toys of life or whatever it might be. Let that be okay if it's the child that's present and calling out to God. Remember that, that we make up a wholeness, a completeness, the we of the child, the conscious mind, the high mind, and the soul. The key in all that is to remember to always lift up and raise back up to the soul first. Let the soul be the predominant force by which we live, by which we move, by which we are present. And today when I was in meditation, I realized how often I still do wander through life, living from those other aspects of self, the mind often dwelling on things, trying to figure things out, trying to understand. The child inside of me going, but now, now I want a new car, you know, I, the new toy in my life. Or the high self even coming in 
and sharing some of its understanding of the divine wisdom, ever inspiring me to go higher, but still it's not the soul that's present. It's not the soul that's expressing itself first in all of my life. And so as I was in meditation, I find my, found myself going into that place where I used to go as a child, not meditating and just holding my loving with God and chanting the unspoken name of God inside in an expression of loving and opening to receive that loving, I found myself going to that place of the child and starting to talk as a child to God. And that's a good place to be because we all are children of God. And there's a wonderful innocence in that child quality that we all are at this level. But I also found that as I was speaking as the child, there was a part of me that was incomplete. There was a part of me that was still wanting and needing. And I found myself, as I began to go into my meditation, to go into that experience, I found myself finally waking up inside to that place of, wait a minute, where am I speaking from right now? Who, who's in charge of this meditation? And I realized that I wanted to bring my attention first and foremost up to the seat of the soul, where that divine spark of the soul resides, and let myself speak from that part of me, the soul of me. And as I began to do that, and I lifted up into that divine place that is soul, and began to speak with God there, it was a very different conversation. And it was also a very different focus. The child, the conscious mind, the high mind or the high self, they all are still focusing down into this creation, down into this world, trying to find solution, understanding, resolution of some kind. But at the soul level, the soul, once it begins to discover that path of loving, that path of freedom, that path of liberation, it is ever looking upward. It is ever looking to God first. And if we will begin to allow ourselves to ever remind ourselves not to live in any other consciousness but soul, that divine essence of loving that we are, that true child of God that we are, and live more from that place first, then our lives will begin to flow in a different way. Oftentimes, the child will feel separation. It will feel separation from others, and it will feel separation from self. Because the child isn't a participant in the level of the mind. The child is truly that essence of playfulness, of innocence that exists within us. And it is in the child that we often can discover a lot of the qualities of our godliness if we allow that to truly manifest in its innocent loving state and to be the playful child of God that we are. The mind, 
doesn't really understand the child. It lives often very caught up in its own self, ever running, running, running. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, know the mind and how it never shuts up. It always is asking for more. It's always telling you more. It knows better than anything else. And it just goes on and on and on. The mind doesn't know how to be playful. It doesn't know how to participate. It doesn't know or understand how to live in innocence. For it is ever demonstrating itself as the all-knowing. I know better than you. Oh, I know that. Don't, you don't have to go into that now. I know, I know all that. In truth, you may not, but the mind always comes in and says, oh, I know that. Don't, you don't have to explain it. And then we walk away going, golly, I wish I would have let them explain it because I don't know how to get there now. And so we want to pay attention to just how we are living. Are we living in compartments that are really in separation from each other? Or are we living in a wholeness? The wholeness is where the soul is the predominant focus, the predominant force, the predominant action. And the soul's predominant action is loving God, having God first before all things. And in that action of loving God, everything else comes into alignment, comes into order. And we begin to be we begin to be that divine self, that living action of loving. And then all the qualities of this human self, this physical creative self, the child, the mind, the high mind, or the high self, begin to also come into alignment with that divine loving. And that's the only time that we move into this alignment where all these qualities of self do not live in separation, but they begin to live in a wholeness and in one action. And that one action comes about because all of these qualities of self begin to look upward with the soul to God and putting God first rather than putting self first, the little self, the child. And the child knows how to put that quality of self first. Yeah, but I want, but I need. What are you talking about? Why can't I have it? And the mind is ever in separation, demanding, expressing, knowing, knowing better than you. And so it's for us to begin to look and realize that if we want to live in wholeness and truly to be that which William Shakespeare was speaking of, it's to live from the soul first. Have no other gods before me. Well, if the divine spark that resides here at the seat of the soul is the Lord God in this creation, here to have experience, 